We were all just praying in our prayer language. That was not a message in tongues. That was just us praying in our prayer language. Amen. Glory to God. So that gives us some explanation. Hallelujah. And the children can go to children's church, three years old through fifth grade. Hallelujah. They're going to have a good time. And while they're going, if you'd turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Good to have all of you here tonight. If you're visiting for the very first time, please fill out a visitor card for us before you leave. And uh, uh, hand it to somebody. You can hand it to somebody and we want to have a record of your visit. Actually, it's Ephesians chapter 2. I'm sorry. Turn back one chapter. Hallelujah. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank God for the words. Right. And we were, we've been in a series. Uh, so I was got, got my hair cut today, and I said, uh, and I have I've had company all week, and so the my the lady that did my hair said, "Well, you've been busy, and are you preaching tonight?" Because she knows. I said, "Yeah," and oh, you've been busy. I said, "Well, that's okay. I'm in a series." And she says, well, uh, what is that? <laughs> and so I had to explain to her what a series was. So if y'all don't know what a series is, it means we've been on the same topic for about six weeks now. <laughs> Amen. That's what it means. And we've been studying spirit, soul, and body. Uh, God created us in three parts. He created us with a spirit, with a soul, and with a body. And we've been studying this. It's easy to see it. These are called paper dolls. We call these our paper dolls. And it's easy to see it with paper dolls, that you're a three-part being. And uh, here, is, uh, here it is all stacked together. You look more like this. You don't walk around kind of all separated. You, we just separate it so you can understand it. But here you are right here, spirit, soul, and body. And this is the born-again man. His spirit is alive. He's full of light and life on the inside. That's how you look on the inside. And the Bible says this is the real you. And this is your soul. Of course, this soul looks white because um, it's symbolic of light. It just means that you have your mind renewed. In other words, there could, you could be a Christian that didn't have their mind renewed, and this would not, and you'd be darkened in your mind. In other words, you don't have any revelation or anything. And then this is the body, and it's a symbolic of the yellow symbolic of the light that has gotten out from your soul into your body, causing you to be in health, causing you to be healthy. Uh, and in 3 John 2, remember it says, Beloved, uh, I desire above all things that ye might prosper and be in health in your body, even as your soul prospers. Now God has fixed your spirit. When you received Him as Savior, you've been reborn. You've, been, you've got a new man. On the inside of you, nothing more need to be done on the spirit man. There is some work that needs to be done on the soul, the mind, will, and emotions, the soul man. That is up to you. God's not going to do it for you. You have to renew your mind. It's up to you. It's up to you what you do with the Word of God. And so um, that's your soul. And then, if, but, but if you renew your mind, then it will affect your body. You'll have health. You'll prosper. The Bible says what we put our hand to will prosper. I can guarantee you if you're born again and you have not been prospering, and then you, you need a renewed mind. You need a renewed mind. If you've been prospering a little but not as much as you would like, and I'm talking about in every area. I'm talking about financial prosperity. I'm, if you've got all sorts of broken relationships all around you and your relationships are just a wreck, you need a renewed mind. You need a renewed mind. That's, you, need, uh, you need to prosper in your soul, and your relationships will start to prosper. Your job will start to, you'll start to have prosperity on the job. Your finances, and it's not an overnight thing. But you will begin to prosper. It's progressive, isn't it? How many of you know? How many of you know it's progressive? It's a it, mind renewal is progressive. You can't come in here tonight and me give you a renewed mind. You can't come up here and come across the front and me lay hands on you, or pastor lay hands on you, and you got a renewed mind. No, you got to get in the Word. You got to establish your heart on the Word of God. You got to get where no matter what comes up, no matter what the devil throws at you, what the devil says, you're not moved. You're not moved. We sing a song, I'm not moved. I'm not moved. Amen. Hallelujah. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, let's look in verse 4. 
It says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So you've been born again, and it's the Bible said there that you were saved by grace through faith. Uh, you were born again by grace through faith by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, not of works. The reason works can't save you is because works are of the body. When you go to the church and you wash dishes in the fellowship hall because we're having a fellowship, that's works, that's good works, but that's something you do with your hands. You can't, you can't affect this spirit man by doing something with your hands. You could come to the church every Saturday and mow the lawn. That'd be good works, wouldn't it? But you cannot change this man by doing something with this man. Amen? That's why works won't save us. Works won't save us because it's the wrong man. It's the body doing all the work. Amen? And so works won't save us, but we've been saved by grace through faith. And so, and through faith, you were born again in a twinkling of an eye. You were a new creation. And we've been over this for many weeks, so I'm just kind of reviewing. But you were made into a, you were a new creation. The Bible says, uh, um, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that God transferred you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. I'm telling you, hallelujah. The, here, there in Ephesians, He said He seated you with Christ in heavenly places. Well, we know bodily we're not sitting by Christ. But here, we are, we, it, spiritually, we've already been seated with Christ in heavenly places. Hallelujah. We're not looking up to, we're not even, we don't have to look, oh, God help me. We're looking down on problems. You need, you're looking, you're seated with Christ. You're looking down on the situation. Amen. Now turn over to Ephesians 1, look back in Ephesians 1, verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, after, yet, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He said, after you believed, and after you were born again, you're, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Do you all see this plexiglass? I'm going I'm to put this on this man, and it seals his spirit, man. You've been sealed. You've been sealed. The Holy Spirit's been sealed within you. Now, Adam, when he was in the Garden of Eden, he looked just like this man too. He looked just like that before the fall. But he wasn't sealed. Adam was not sealed. Adam, see, and the reason Adam wasn't sealed is because every man has to make a choice. Every man has to choose God. God did not want to create robots. He did not want to command. He doesn't want to command people to love Him. He doesn't want to command people to worship Him. He wants us to choose to. Adam had to have a free choice. Adam chose wrong, and so he, he changed. He turned, he turned, and he looked like this after. He, he looked like this. He looked just like this. His spirit died. He was born again in reverse, and he looked like this. Now, every sinner on earth that has not received Jesus Christ as their Savior looks just like this. Their spirit man is dark. The Bible says alienated from the life of God. And they, uh, uh, in their soul, had they have an unrenewed mind, and their body is full of sickness, disease, and so forth. They are... Uh, uh, and, 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 and subject to every kind of poverty and curse and every, all the curses on the earth. But that's not what you look like. That's, right. that's not what you look like, spirit, soul, or body. Amen. And so you've been sealed. And we're, this is where I'm going to go tonight. I'm reviewing a little bit, but I told you last week I want to talk about uh, a falling from grace. You've heard that if you've been to any church. You know you're going to sin away your day of grace. You're going to fall from grace. You're, you're, and you, if you've been to... Some churches, you have, you've, you've seen people walk the aisle over and over and over again to get born again again. But I want to tell you, if you've ever been born again, you don't have to do it again. You don't have to repeat it. And I'm going to prove it to you from Scripture. I'm going to prove it to you from Scripture. Because there was a time I didn't know this. 
and and I and I had heard it, but I and I didn't know what to believe. I because you know if if you look at it, you could see there could be good reasons for both of them. But I'm gonna prove it to you from Scripture tonight that you only get to have to be born again once. Uh, uh, <clears throat> when a Christian fails. We talked about this last week, and this was your homework to meditate on. Does anybody all remember I gave you all homework? When a Christian fails, sins, messes up, when the Christian commits a sin, the rottenness, the defilement of that sin does not penetrate his spirit. Now, the wages of sin are death. You can be born again, and if you're going to live a life of sin, you're going to get to heaven real fast. You're not going to lose your salvation, but you're going to get there fast. Because if you're out there where death is ruling and reigning, when you start sinning, you get out in devil's territory. You give the devil access. And you're out there where he knows what to do and where he does it best. And so you're going to live a life of sin, and you're going to, you know, you're going to, be, you're going to lose. You may not lose. So there's not, it is stupid to sin. You're going to, you sin, you're going to lose your relationships. You're going to lose your marriage. You're going to lose your kids. Plus, you're going, your kids are going to do worse than you did. Everything you do, just multiply it. Because the, the seed multiplies as it goes down through the generations, whether it's righteousness or unrighteousness. Amen? So it is stupid to sin. I'm not in this church tonight to tell you that just because you can't lose your salvation, it's okay for you to sin. It's not okay. And it just because God is looking to our spirit doesn't mean He's happy about sin. He's not happy when we sin because He knows it's going to hurt us. He knows it's going to reach out and bite us. You know, you'll be in the prison and you may be the savedest prisoner there is there, but you still got your life messed up if you've got a life sentence. You know what? You can't support your kids. You can't, you know, it is, it is stupid to sin. It costs you financially to sin. It's a way for the devil to get in your pocketbook and steal your money. You, I tell you what, if you're going to live a life of sin, you're not going to be able to keep a job. Amen? Do you all agree? you all see that? And uh, hallelujah. And, 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 and God will love you the whole time you're sinning, but you'll still, you're a loser when you live a life of sin. Amen? Now, um, Let's go on a little bit. Sin is not just doing wrong and violating commandments. Sin is not just committing adultery, stealing, lying, you know, the Ten Commandments stuff. But sin is also what you should have done but didn't. That's why, and God doesn't separate the two. And he don't say, okay, now over here are the bad sinners. Now they commit adultery. And they, uh, they uh, have fornication, they, have, they steal, they're stealing pencils at the office, you know? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all are serious tonight. Woo, man, y'all are serious about this sin stuff. Woo. Amen. Everybody lighten up. Amen. Hallelujah. But sin is also, see, we, we, as, peop, we as humans, uh, the human side of us, well, we, we kind of separate sin into categories. And we go, you know, oh, those people are real bad. And we forget to look right here at us. You know what I'm saying? You know, James 4, 17 says, listen to what it says. It says, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You know? And so uh, that's one way I know that I'm not going to fall from grace every time I sin because there would be all of us would be We'd already be fell from grace. We'd all need to get saved tonight. And then tomorrow night, we'd probably need to come back and get saved again. You know? And you know, I'm not saying that you can't spend, go a day without sinning. You can. We, can. we can renew our mind where we don't sin all the time. But we, we will never, as long as we live in this earth with this human flesh and our soul that will never be your soul will, you're always going to be in the process of renewing your soul uh, and renewing your mind there's always going to be more you just when you think you arrived there's going to be something else that God wants to teach you you know what I'm saying and so as long as we live in this world this fallen world where Satan is we and we're ne we're never going to hit the mark every time yeah. none of us will ever be perfect in our own self 
Now, we are perfect in the Spirit already. You are perfect. You've been created in the image of Him in the Spirit man. And it's important to know that because that's the realm that God deals with. He's not nearly concerned about your flesh and your soul as He... And, and he fixed the sin problem. You are not a sinner anymore. Yes, because the real you, the spirit man, is not a sinner. God doesn't want you to think about sin. He doesn't want you to even think about it. He doesn't want you thinking about being condemned of sin all the time. He doesn't want you walking around saying, Oh, I've just, I always fall short. I always miss it. He doesn't want you thinking like that. He wants you thinking on the inner man. He wants you thinking, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In fact, the more you think about the inner man and I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the less you'll sin. The less you'll, you just won't want to sin when you realize I'm righteous. I've been reborn. I'm new on the inside. I don't, you know, I don't even have to. Did you know you've been born again on the inside? You may, you may think I just can't get rid of these cigarettes. You don't have to smoke the real, you're not a, you're, you're born again. The real you, I'm telling you, you're just living from the wrong man. Most people have their eye, they're so focused on this man. All they're thinking about is what bone aches and what joint aches and, and what, uh, and how, you know, their flesh. They're thinking about their flesh all day, every day. And the flesh has a voice and it talks all the time. It says, I'm hungry. I know I, today, after school, this little kid came in and, and I was getting my hair cut and he was real crabby. And he was crabby, his mother said, because he was hungry. And man, he was looking in the phone book, he was ordering him a pizza. And that's just his flesh, you know? And your flesh will try to make you crabby because you're hungry. Did anybody ever get crabby because they was hungry? None of y'all. Man, y'all are so spiritual in here. Amen. So uh, uh, you will never be perfect in your own self. God, see, we have a conscience. Your conscience is in your soul. And your conscience was given to you primarily. Uh, and you know, it's a, our conscience is a guide to us. Our conscience is helpful. But if you're not careful, your conscience, which always has a knowledge of your failure, will, uh, will, will condemn you all the time. And you have to tell you have to not let your conscience condemn you. You gotta remind yourself, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And there's no condemnation for them which are in Christ Jesus. Um, you know, uh, the, you're, sometimes after we've sinned, we feel like we've lost our pureness or our holiness. You have those feelings in your soul. Feelings are in the soul, in the emotions. That's why God gave us 1 John 1 9. He did not give us 1 John 1, 9 because we needed some sort of spiritual cleansing after we sin. He gave us 1 John 1, 9 if you, can, if you confess your sins. Uh, help me, somebody. He is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He gave us 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He gave it to you so you get your soul cleansed. So you could get rid of that feeling of impurity, that feeling of, un of unholiness, and, and you could be washed. You could by faith. you got to receive it by faith, just like you received salvation by faith. You know, if you don't receive the fact that God's forgiven you after you sin by faith, you're just going to walk around saying, I don't feel like I was forgiven. And we'll say, yeah, well, did you confess it? Yes, it, yes, I did. Well, the Bible says you were forgiven. Yeah, but I don't feel like it. Well, you can't go by your feelings. You have to, by faith, just say, well, bless God. If the Word says I'm forgiven, then I'm forgiven. It doesn't matter how I feel. I'm still forgiven. Amen? And then you got to give the devil a kick in the pants and say, Devil, you're under my feet. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I've been forgiven. I'm under the blood. Get away. I'm not listening to your lies. And he'll flee. Because I have actually experienced this many times when I goofed up, messed up by most people's standards. You know, just sometimes, you know, when you walk with God, when you just say the wrong thing, it'll grieve your heart. You'll go, oh, God, mm, I missed it. Oh, God, I wish I hadn't said that. Man, I wish I'd have been. Man, I, I, I answered him. You know, I can even, I can, you know, talk back to pastor and get under conviction, you know. Sass him and... No. <laughs> you all don't believe I would ever sass him. No, not me. 
hallelujah. But you know, you could just you could just get under conviction. And I've had myself go to the Lord, Father. I've sinned. I'm sorry. I just repent and forgive me. And then, and 30 minutes later, just feel so bad about it. Still, you know, devil, just still, just ragging on you. Just, I mean, just after, you know, and you have to sometimes God tell the devil, no, I, I believe the word. I've been, you know, and this is, and you're not going to put this on me. And you know what? I've noticed something. He stops when I tell him to. You know, if you let him beat you up, he will. But I can tell you, it's not God beating you up. It's not God beating you up for your sin. It is the devil. God's not even thinking about your sin. And you know what? If you don't ever repent of it, because you're born again, you'll still go to heaven. I don't care if you never, if you sin, you never repent of it. Now you're going to walk around and you're going to be, a lot of times so, our sin will make us feel heavy in our heart and heavy, you know, and so we need to repent. But anyway, let's go on. So your spirit's been encased. It's been sealed. We just read that. And another scripture, that is Ephesians 4.30. You've been encased. You've been sealed. When you sin... Listen to me. When you sin, your spirit does not participate. Your spirit does not participate in the sin. That's right. That should make us not want to sin right there. That makes me not want to sin. When I think about, I got, here I am, and I'm, I'm born again, and my spirit is holy. My spirit is clean. My spirit is pure. God lives inside of me. The Holy Ghost is inside of me. All the power of the Godhead is in me. And i that makes me not want to sin. It don't make me want to sin because I could and still go to heaven. It makes... You know why so many Christians are sinning? Because so many preachers are preaching hellfire and damnation and... You're, sorry, you're an old sinner and they're preaching on that stuff all the time. I'd rather preach to you that you're righteous because if I tell you you're righteous, you'll go out there and you'll go, I don't want to do this. I'm holy. I'm clean on the inside. I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to touch this. I don't want to watch this. I don't want to look at this. I don't like these filthy words. I don't like filthy words. Amen. And I got something living on the inside of me. And, I, you know, I can grieve the Holy Ghost living on inside of me. And I can feel it when the Holy Ghost is grieved. It's like, mmm, you know, uh. And I don't like having that feeling of grieving the Holy Ghost. And besides all that, if, I am, if I'm a saved and I'm born again, and I know I'm clean and pure and holy on the inside, but I know I'm not doing right. You know, guess what I do? I start backing up, withdrawing. I start getting where I'm not going before the throne of God boldly. I'm not, I don't feel as comfortable saying, Father, I need this. I start, I start kind of hiding from God. Amen. And, and, and God doesn't want us to. And our sin has not separated us from Him. You've heard that, but that's not right. Your sin's not separating you from Him because He's looking at your spirit. But you'll start backing up. It'll separate you in that sense because you start backing up, but not because He backs up. And you've heard it said, well, yeah, God is a holy God and He cannot come where there's sin. Well, He's, he, he's not. He, he's, he's, he's dealt with your, your spirit, man, is all he's, he's concerned with. You know what? God knows you can't do it in the flesh. If we could have done it in the flesh, He wouldn't have needed to send Jesus. Because we would have just done it in the flesh, and He wouldn't have had to deal with our spirit man. He knows you can't do it in the flesh. And we can't do it. We will never do it by putting a set of oh, thou shalt nots on us. You know, ever, the, the Bible says the power of sin is the law. The more I tell you thou shalt not, the more you'll want to. And that is true. Just try it by saying thou shalt not eat a candy bar. <laughs> the, you say that, that say get up every day three times a day and thou shalt not eat a candy bar I guarantee you by the third day you'll be at the grocery store buying a bag full of them I mean I'm, when I go on a diet and be hungrier than I ever was because see that's a form of the law that's a form of the law isn't that the truth you wasn't craving nothing until you went on that diet 
And then all of a sudden, you you know, oh, man, you just are th dreaming of Krispy Kremes and candy bars and Baskin Robbins and, uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, you're dreaming of them in the night. You're sitting, you know, every one of them, uh, you just sit and watch TV and sal your saliva starts, <laughs> your mouth's watering. Yeah. See, that's the law. And that's how we know. And so the more I say, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, the more you're going to want to sin. And God only sent the law. He told us this. The only reason he gave the Ten Commandments was to show you you needed a Savior. He wanted to show you you couldn't do it. So when he sent Jesus, you'd know you had to have him. we got to have a Savior. We can't help ourselves. We could not help ourselves. We had to have a Savior. And he, oh, hallelujah. But we have something far more glorious than any preacher ever told you. We have something far more glorious, so far more precious. Amen. Amen. And so your spirit's been encased, it's been sealed. And when you're sin, when you sin, your spirit does not participate. First John 3 9. Let's go there. Now, sometimes if you don't separate spirit, soul, and body, when you get in a few books of the Bible, you're going to be confused. And first John is one of those books. First John 3, verse 9. We're going to straighten out some things tonight. It says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now we look at that scripture, or I did used to, and I'm going, I don't understand this. I know I'm saved. I got saved when I was 10, and I knew I was saved. Now some people I know, they go, oh, I don't know if I'm saved. I think I'm saved. I, I'm not sure if I'm saved. But I knew I was saved. But I knew also that I had sinned. So there's also, I knew it couldn't mean, you know, I knew there was something in this verse I wasn't catching. He that is born of God doth not commit sin. And so, you know, one explanation that preachers have given, which is totally wrong, is, well, if you were sinned, you must not really and truly have been born again, so you need to come down here at the front of the church and you need to get saved again. Mostly so I can send in to my convention that I got five saved this Sunday and five saved that Sunday. You know, we're wanting this numbers thing because we look a lot better in our, don't we? Absolutely. If we say that. So I want to get you saved again, Kevin, so I can count you. <laughs> Amen. I think he needs to get saved, don't y'all? Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm just picking on him. Hallelujah. And I'm going to get Jonathan next. Amen. No, <laughs> hallelujah. Uh, <clears throat> But then there's another explanation that sometimes we get, and we get this from the Amplified Bible. And it says, He that uh, is born of God does not habitually sin. The Amplified Bible actually says that, doesn't it? Anybody know that? Yes. He that is born of God does not habitually commit sin. In other words, if you're born again, you may sin every once in a while, but if you are habitually sinning, you could not be born again. There's just one, there's a problem with that, in, with that interpretation. Um, let's turn to 1 John 1.8 and let's look at some things over here. Because it seems that John contradicts himself. 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So here he's just said, if we're born again, we do not sin. But here he says, if we say we don't sin, then we're... the. Uh, it, 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 the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So which is it, John? It can't be both. I'm like, you know, you could just be confused. Like, okay, he's saying you're a liar if you say you don't sin. Turn over in the next page and said, he that is born of God does not commit sin. And uh, so um, uh, we have to solve this. Um, you know, if you go with the he that is born of God does not habitually commit sin, you have to only look at huge sins. You say, he that is born of God does not habitually commit adultery. He that is born of God does not habitually steal, does not habitually cuss, does not, hab you know, they might cuss every once in a while, but they don't habitually cuss because that would be, you couldn't be born of God. So that gets us all into, you know, we get confused about that. Uh, because you know what? Most all Christians habitually sin. Because we, we habitually fail to love. And when we don't love, when we don't walk in love, when we are unkind, when we don't say the right thing to people, 
when our words hurt people. There's hardly anybody married that doesn't habitually sin. <laughs> I mean, we just are, you know, it's like me and pastor will go three or four days, but after three or four days, one of us is going to say something that's got a little barb on the end of it, you know. Yeah! <laughs> one of us is, and you know, if one of us says something, the other one is going to respond. Don't y'all know that? Y'all don't do that. No, I know y'all don't do that. Well, I mean, we are growing, and we're, we're so much better than we used to be. My Lord, before we got filled with the Spirit, and I was just saved, I threw a fork at him. <laughs> when we were first married now, I wasn't preacher's wife then, and I wasn't filled with the Spirit. But when we was first married, he made me mad. We were sitting at the table, wham, <laughs> you know. I threw a fork. I know y'all don't. That was the old man's dead. How long? <laughs> That was the old man. I am so much better than I, I haven't thrown a fork in 29 years. Amen. I've been delivered from fork throwing. So I know we can improve. I'm, so, I'm, not, I'm not really joking, and I don't think my sin is funny. But what I'm saying is we are improving. We're growing. We're maturing. We're walking more in love. We don't throw forks anymore. We have better control of ourselves than that. But, you know, we still hadn't gotten control of every word at our house. We still hadn't gotten where if we're a little tired, we might get a little sharp or something in our voice. And that is habitually committing sin when we don't walk in love. Uh, we can habitually fail to be kind. We can habitually, habitually fail to study God's Word. Did anybody ever habitually fail to study the Word? We can habitually fail to pray. We can all gluttony is habitual sin. It's impossible to be a glutton without being habitual at it. I mean, you're not a glutton if you just overate one meal is my point. You know what I'm saying? To be lazy is habitual sin. And so if I didn't hit you with one of these, I've hit you with the other one. That you are a habitual sinner and in your flesh. You habitually miss it. You don't mean to. You don't want to. I don't want to. I, come, I fully want to respond to my husband right every time. My heart, I want to submit to him every time. My heart wants to do him good. My heart wants to be a blessing to him all the time. And you know, 95% of the time I succeed, but there's just that 5% of my flesh that just hadn't been crucified yet, and it gets in my way. Do y'all, does anybody in here, am I the only person that has a problem in this place? Hallelujah, y'all making me feel guilty, like, oh, they're so good, and I'm, so, I'm such a worm. No, 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 we're not supposed to be worms, are we? No. no, there can only be one true interpretation to this verse. No, the only part of you that is born of God. Because remember there we read in, what was that verse I gave you? Ephesians, I mean, John. First John. Um, mm. Three, eight. Three what? Three, nine. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. He gives us the clue right there. There's just one part of you born of God. Just one part of you is born of God, and that's the, oh, I just broke him. <laughs> Hallelujah. One part of you, your spirit man cannot get broken, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, there's one part of you that is born of God, and that is the spirit man, and that's the man he's talking about right there. This man does not commit sin. He that is born of God does not commit sin. And see, to understand the Bible, you've got to understand this is who the man God's think, God thinks is most important. He doesn't just think it, he knows it. This is the man that's most important. All of that other stuff don't count for too much to God. Now it counts a lot to us because we, we, we take care of our flesh all day, every day. I mean, we curl our hair, we, we smear stuff on our flesh all day, every day. We're constantly doing something. We're bathing it, scrubbing it looking at it in the mirror. We're just constantly in tune with our flesh. We're constantly feeling our flesh to see if it feels good or if it doesn't feel good. We're trying to find out. We're always looking to see what hurts and what doesn't. And we're always in tune. We're always looking at our 
feelings. Do I feel good? Do I feel happy? Do I feel sad? We're always working on this soul man, but really this is the man that all the man that counts, and this is who God's talking about. And this is the man that does not commit sin. And that's the only possible interpretation that's not crazy. Uh, so, um, your spirit cannot sin. Your Ephesians 4.24, the spirit is created in righteousness and true holiness. Turn over there and let's read that. Your spirit man, Ephesians 4.24, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This man, the spirit man, is created in righteousness and true holiness. And he says, put him on. You can put this man on this man and this man. You can get up in the morning and say, I'm not going to live according to the dictates of this man. I'm going to put on the new man. You know, in other words, start acting like you're a new man because you are a new man. Now start acting like it. Start living like it. Start talking like it. A lot of people still talk, and I'm not talking about cuss words necessarily, although that too. But they're still talking like they're an old man. But you're not. You got to and see. You got to make a decision after you're born again to put on the new man. It's a decision. So uh, you can't. Don't try to tie God's acceptance of you to your performance. Do not try to tie God's acceptance of you to your performance. You will always come short. And your own conscience will always condemn you. I'll, I'll just prove that to you. Because I guarantee you, if you tie God's acceptance of you to your performance, you could get up in the morning and pray for an hour. And for some of you, that'd be quite the feat. But you could get up in the morning, you could pray for an hour, but something inside of you would say, you should have prayed longer. Because see, you're tying it to performance. Amen? Amen. And some of you felt that way before. It may be not exactly like I said it, but in some realm you felt like, I, you, you know, you serve at the church, you work at the church, you go to church, you tithe, you give, and you still feel like, well, you know, it's just not quite enough. I'm still not fully pleasing to God. I ought to do more. I felt that way for years. I don't know if anybody else ever did. Uh, or the other, if you tie your performance... God's acceptance of you to performance, you'll either be like that or you'll be so puffed up with pride in your own self-righteousness that you'll be full of pride and you can't even see the sin you are in. And some, you know, it's like if, you don't, if you're not condemning yourself all the time, like you never measure up, you'll be saying how good you are and be full of self-righteousness. Your spirit retains its holiness. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 9. In verse 12. We looked at this verse last week. Let's look at it again. Hebrews 9:12. We gotta scoot right along now. It says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by this by his own blood, he entered in once, say once, once. into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. That's talking about Jesus. Not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once. Jesus went one time, he's not going again. He's never going again. He went one time. It was enough. And when he went, he obtained eternal redemption for us. You don't just have redemption. You have eternal redemption. Amen. That is so powerful. And then in verse 15, it says, uh, And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. You, he wintered in once and he gave you etern he got you eternal redemption and eternal inheritance. I'm telling you what, this is too good to be true. But it's true. It's almost too good to be true news. Amen. Glory to God. Now, what about falling from grace? Turn with me to um, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. I have a printer problem, and I couldn't hardly read that. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. Listen to this. For it is impossible. For it is impossible. Say impossible. impossible. For those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God, 
and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Now, remember, he went in once. He's not going back. He obtained eternal redemption for us and eternal inheritance. And he said, it's impossible for those, and he gives a list of conditions, if they were to lose their salvation or fall away, it says, to renew them again because you would, he would have to go in again. He would have to be crucified, it says, all over again. Remember we just read in Hebrews, he entered in once. He's not going back. So don't ever lose it because I can tell salvation is free to everybody once. Don't lose it because you ain't getting it back. I'll tell you how you can lose it. You can lose yourself, not lose it. That's a bad word. I'll, I'll show you. You have eternal security. God's not, you will not lose your salvation because of sin. I will show you in just a minute. Um, that word enlightened there. It is impossible those who were once enlightened. That means illuminated. That means born again. They've been, they've, they've been enlightened. They have revelation. They're born again. They know they're born again. They have revelation. Tasted. Those who were once enlightened and have tasted. That, uh, that means experienced. They've experienced the heavenly gift. The heavenly gift is Jesus. He is the heavenly gift. And they were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Partakers of the Holy Ghost means somebody baptized in the Holy Ghost. So he's given the conditions that you would have to meet before you could ever even abandon this or lose or fall away from, from salvation. You would have to have... Uh, tasted the heavenly gift, been born again, know Jesus, you would have to have been baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues because you have to have known you were baptized in the Holy Ghost. The only way to know for sure you're baptized in the Holy Ghost is to speak in tongues. You can say you're baptized in the Holy Ghost without speaking in tongues, but if you don't speak in tongues, you don't know for sure. And that's how you know. Uh, and it says here, uh, and have verse 5 and have tasted the good word of God that means they've tasted the meat of the word of God they've had revelation in the word of God they've seen things in the word of God this is not talking about a little baby Christian that says some idiot thing out of their mouth uh, and, and the powers they've tasted of the powers of the world to come the powers of the world to come are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Remember we said tasted means experienced. They have experienced the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. They've experienced them for themselves. Not just heard about them. They've experienced them. Now, if they shall fall away. That word fall away does not mean backslide. And it does not mean fall into sin. It doesn't mean if they shall fall into sin or if they shall backslide. It means apostatize. It is the Greek word apostatize. And it means abandon your faith. Or literally, it means renounce your faith. If you have been born again and tasted of Jesus, you know Him as your Savior. You know Him and you know you know Him. And you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost and you've spoken with other tongues. And you have tasted the good word of God. You know the power of the word of God. And you have experienced the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you apostatize, abandon your faith, renounce Him, it's all over. You are going to hell. You cannot get saved again. You cannot be... It, there's no hope for you. However... A baby Christian cannot do this. A baby Christian does, has not experienced all these things. There's been people get mad at God, shake their fist in the face of God. I hate you. I'm mad at you. Uh, I don't even want to be saved because they're angry. They're hurt. Their baby died. Their daddy died. And, and they're angry and they're hurt and they're just talking out of their head. It's just their emotions talking. But they have been... They're walking around feeling like I've committed the unpardonable sin. I'm lost. I can't ever be saved again. They're not. This is a decision. This is a decision. Let's read on some before. It says to crucify afresh the Lord of glory. Crucify afresh means re-crucify -re Jesus. 
Turn to Jude chapter 3, verse 6. Actually, turn to Jude, chapter, Jude 3. Jude 3, and let's read through verse 6. <laughs> Hallelujah, I'll get this right. Jude 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness into the judgment of the great day. I want you to know there is a key right here that ties us back to what we just read in Hebrews. There's a key in these scriptures, and it's in verse 4. And it's the very last part of the verse 4. It says, denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the key phrase in those scriptures. When we talk about apostatizing, we're talking about somebody that's known Him, known the power of salvation, experienced it, and then they deny Him. They willfully deny Him. They abandon their faith. They apostatize. They renounce their faith. They renounce their faith. Um, let's look in Hebrews chapter 10 now. Go back to Hebrews. We're winding up. That's not going to take all night. But I told you last week we'd cover this. And we've been needing to cover this for some time. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26. Actually, I've been meditating on this for two years and just thinking sometime I'm going to teach this. Sometime I'm going to teach this. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of truth, there remaineth no more sacrifices for sin. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law... He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. And so we find another um, uh, clue in these verses that ties us back to the first verses we read in Hebrews 6. Because uh, here we're talking about a sin that someone can sin, which is called the sin unto death. You may hear this referred to as the sin unto death. A lot of baby Christians who have cursed God, who have uh, shook their fist in the face of God, think they've committed the sin unto death, but they haven't. Because first of all, <clears throat> uh, in verse there, verse uh, 26, where he says the, the sin there. Uh, for if I sin willfully, he's not talking about just any kind of sin. I sin willfully, like I willfully went out and I said a bad word. I willfully went and I committed adultery. I'm not, I mean, that is a horrible thing. Uh, breaking of covenant and adultery. I'm not trying to minimize it, but he's not talking about that kind of sin. He's talking about one kind of sin here that you can willfully commit. And he's talking about the sin unto death. And it's a specific kind of sin. And he says there in verse, uh, 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 <clears throat> verse 29, the sin here is the sin of uh, trotting underfoot the Son of God. This is trotting underfoot the Son of God means to reject with disdain. To reject Jesus with dis disdain. This is somebody that has been saved, but they, they, now they turn. They hate Jesus and they apostatize. They, they, they reject Him with dis, disdain. I'm trying to say that right, disdain. Um, they counted the blood of the covenant as unholy. They literally say the blood of Jesus is an unholy thing, or literally it's defiled, it's unclean. <clears throat> And they have done despite, it says, unto the Holy Spirit. That means to insult and despise the Holy Spirit. Now, there's been some people really hurt at God. They think God's in control. And they think, and you know, the preachers have got up and said, well, it was just your time to go. God wanted a little rose for his road garden. He plucked it and took your baby. You know, I mean, God is not... So, God, 
Why would anybody even serve a God that would do something like that? God's never plucked a rose for his rose garden yet. Number one, you ain't a rose. No, hallelujah. No, God's not plucking. Oh, you know, I heard this. You know, God uses his best to bring in his harvest. God takes his best to bring in his harvest. In other words, like you, because five people got saved at your funeral, God took his best. No, God didn't take you. The devil took you. God says in Psalm 91, and he says all through his Bible, I will satisfy you with long life. And God is no respecter of persons. It is unfair for him to let one old lady live to be 110 and to take you at 40. That is unfair. That is being a respecter of persons. God does not take people. My people of people perish. They die for lack of knowledge. They don't know the Word of God. They don't understand the Word of God. The devil gets in. This is a war here in this earth. The devil's fighting people. And they don't know enough. They don't know how to defend themselves. And they die. They give they perish. They don't know how to walk in safety. They don't know how to cover themselves in the blood. And the devil initiates and causes car wrecks on the interstate. I mean, I've heard people, their kid run into a tree and God took them. You know, and it's like it don't even make sense if your kid was drunk and run into a tree that God took them. God doesn't get people drunk and then run them into trees. And if they weren't drunk and they run into a tree, God, God doesn't cause people to go to sleep at the wheel. In fact, he's doing everything in his power to help you, to save you, to keep you. Everything. But he's given the authority to man in the earth. It's up to you. And it's up to us to pray for our kids. If you don't keep your kids prayed for, if you don't, if you're, if you don't know to, and if you don't know to keep your kids under the blood and keep them prayed for, Satan could steal them. I'm going to tell you honest. Satan could steal your kids. And if he doesn't, it's just because he would steal every one of them tonight. That every child that's not under the blood, he'd steal them tonight. But he's just not omnipresent. Amen. He can only be in one place at one time. And he's short-handed. He's got some demons, but he's short-handed. He's way short-handed. No, the church needs to wake up and start getting their faith out there and getting the word out there and getting the blood out there. We have the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Amen. Hallelujah. We're closing. I'm in my closing now. No, this is a Paul here in Hebrews chapter 10 is actually warning some Jews. He's writing to the Jews. The Jews here had gotten saved, but they were being tempted by people that crept in. And he, they were being tempted and they were being pressured to deny the Lord Jesus, to deny the Holy Spirit, and to go back to Judaism. And they were being pressured to do that. And he was warning them. He was giving them a strong warning. He was telling them, if you deny the Lord Jesus and you deny the Holy Spirit and you go back to Judaism, you will not be able to come back. Because Jesus would have to be crucified again. And he's not going. So we don't ever want to deny him, do we? We don't ever want to deny Him. And I, don't, I personally believe, you know, we ought to mature and learn and we ought to get past the point of shaking our fist in the hand of God, face of God and being mad at God. God didn't cause your problems. I want to tell you who caused your problems. You want to shake your fist at somebody, look in the mirror and shake your fist at yourself. Because you and your mouth caused your problems. The fact that you didn't serve God. The fact that you didn't read His Word. That you didn't obey Him. And if you did read His Word, you just, you know, didn't have revelation in it. Amen? But he, God wants to help you. God wants to bless you. He wants to put you over and not under. Amen? So, hallelujah. So, we don't sin in the inward man. You cannot lose your salvation by sinning. You'll get to heaven so fast, though. And your mom will cry, and we'll cry, because you were out there sinning, you was born again. And we'll get up here and we'll say, he was born again, or she was born again. But you'll get there fast in sin. And if you don't get there fast, you'll have hell on earth. You can go to heaven and...